Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Welcome to Good Calls with Dean Blandino, a production of iHeartRadio. This is a new podcast. This is going to be your go-to spot for everything, officiating rules, football, all sports. We're going to talk about it all. Uh, excited to get going. Um, we're going to talk. We're going to talk sports. We're going to talk life rules. We're going to talk sports gaming. I think that's the correct term. But there's a lot to get into. I want to introduce my uh, my partners in crime here. My my producer, Mr. Travis Hanson. Travis, what's up? What's going on, Dean? Not much, not much. Good first impression, Travis. America's going to love you. That's what I'm here for. America's going to love you. And our our audio guy, our handyman extraordinaire, Mr. MacGyver himself, Joe Madrid. Joe, what's up? Not much, Dean. How you doing? Thanks for having me. Excited for the first show. See, see, Travis, that's how you That's intro. just too much, and he, Exactly. He's the audio guy, and he's already trying to, like, sneak in. It's The name of the show is Good Calls with Dean Blandino, so just remember that. I know not I don't Joe have to Travis. remind... I don't have to remind you of that, Travis, but um, look, let's get week one. There was a ton of stuff. We were in the studio um, Saturday for college football, yesterday for NFL, a ton of stuff. I want to jump right into it and also stick around because we got a a pretty good interview with uh, Troy Vincent, former NFL player and now the executive vice president for football operations um, with the, with the NFL. So uh, we'll, we'll play some excerpts from that interview later on but week one um you know we got the new rule pass interference right and that's what everybody's been talking about and uh, and we saw it yesterday right there were seven reviews we for, saw it thursday for, too for pass interference and yeah we saw it thursday uh matt lafleur threw one i think everybody uh, agreed that 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 was not a a great challenge but again first time head coach first challenge didn't go very well and the, and the ruling on the field stood. But seven reviews. And one of the things, the concerns, right, with replays, how many times are we going to stop the game? And uh, in 2018, 1.36 reviews per game. Just through 14 games in week one, we've got two tonight, there were there were 1.64 reviews per game. So they're up. And, and I think we anticipate they're going to be up at least initially. But seven reviews for past interference. Two created um, in replay, one in the uh, the Buffalo Jets game. And this is, I think, something we all have to live with, right? Every time now there's a touchdown, in addition to looking at whether the receiver got his feet inbounds or did he, did he control the pass, now we're going to be looking at blocking downfield Travis is that something now is as a fan are you are you is that something we got to get used to I think you have to get used to it because this is the way it is this is the new NFL we live in and unfortunately you're you're going to be looking for flags more we're we're in the studio we're looking for flags on every play we're looking is it a clean touchdown and then we're looking oh is there a flag is there a flag now at home you're going to be like okay where else may a flag come in that we don't see on tv that that lands outside of the picture on your TV screen, and, and it almost it almost takes away the the joy of the moment, right? Because right. you want to you want to celebrate that touchdown, but now you're like, wait a minute, you have all to right? Is there a, a flag? Bit. Is there uh, you know is there going to be a replay review? And what happened in the in the Jets game? There was a touchdown pass that was thrown, and uh, and the replay officials responsible for reviewing all all aspects of that play, all reviewable aspects. And they stopped the game, and they created a foul for offensive pass interference for blocking downfield more than a yard before the ball was uh, was touched. And it was the correct call. But again, we are now living in this world where, hold up, wait a minute, we, um, we are going to review this. And I do want to say, I think it, I'd be remiss in saying that we are... We are recording. We're coming from our beautiful studios in Hermosa Beach, California. And I'm reminded of that because I have a great window to, uh, what is that, Pier Avenue right there? And Palm just tree the, swaying. The sights and sounds are unbelievable. But anyway, Jets, Buffalo, OPI, first replay, create the first pass interference created by replay. But let's talk about Tampa, San Francisco. That was our game 
that was there was a lot of stuff in that game. And and I uh, Joe, you're shaking your head. You you like you want to speak right now. What what what? Go ahead. It, it Go felt ahead. like there was a flag on every play of that game. It, it was every single time something good happened, there's that yellow graphic on the screen. It was just like enough. It was well, you know, and, and you know, we do want to talk about offensive holding. That that has been a point of emphasis in the preseason. Offensive holding calls were up significantly. And uh, you know it was it was close to six a game, which is which would be a record for any season. the the most The most the NFL has ever had in a season was just under four offensive holding calls, and that's total. That's that's accepted, declined, offset, and uh, and so it did feel in that in that Forty Nine er Buck game that I think there were four touchdowns brought back on penalties, and uh, and that that's a lot. There were there were. Just over five offensive holding penalties called um, per game in the first 14 games, and that that is a big number. And and my concern is, look, if it's holding, it's holding. It's such a subjective call. But when you start thinking about what what makes the NFL so popular, what do people want to see? Scoring. All their, scoring. Everyone's got their fantasy. Team. I mean, Travis is all about scoring. He he wants to score in all aspects of his life, but scoring. Passing yards, all of that. Offensive holding penalties are big penalties. When you, the the number of drives that result in points when there's an offensive holding call during that drive, it goes down. You know, first and twenty, second and twenty. These are these are tough to overcome, and uh, and so when you have that many holding calls and and that many penalties in general, it's tough to sustain drives. You look at scoring just through the first fourteen weeks, it wasn't down. Um, we we averaged just over 48 uh, points per game in the first week. But what was significant about that, though, the margin of victory was was pretty big. The margin of victory was 17. We had a, a lot of blowouts. Miami-Baltimore was a blowout. Tennessee. That one alone put the Tennessee, number way high. Tennessee-Cleveland, you know, all that. And we'll get into Cleveland in a second. <laughs> but 17 is a big that's – a, that's a big number. And where the league really wants to be is – um, you know, if you can get under 10 when you talk about margin of victory, that that is a good number. So high scoring, low margin of victory. That's where you want to be. Week one, we're, we're at high scoring, but we're at a high margin of victory. And so that that's something to be concerned about. Um, but in that game, that that Tampa San Francisco game, there were two plays. Um, and my my boy, B.A., Bruce Arians, is the first head coach to win a pass interference challenge. And, and B.A. is a. Kind of a trail- welcome back. He's a trailblazer. He's a trailblazer. Um, and look, in all seriousness, this is a guy that has been at the forefront of in terms of diversity and minority hiring. He's got. He's the first head coach to have um, female uh, assistant coaches on the staff. So this is a guy that is not afraid of change and is a guy that is progressive. But he's also a guy that has a masterful, masterful grasp on the on the English language. If you've ever had the privilege of talking to him off the record, you know, outside of you know, with a microphone, he doesn't have a microphone in his in his face. He uh, he uses some. I've never I've never met a guy that could that could drop more f bombs in more creative ways in a shorter span than. than well, Bruce you remember Aarons. on the Amazon show when they did that, he. He had to apologize. He's unbelievable. He's unbelievable. But what I love about him is he's a guy that will, he will MF you for 20 minutes on the phone. And then at the end of the conversation, you're, you're back to being, you know, your boys. It's like, all right, you know, talk to you, we'll take, talk (laughs) to you later. And we've got some good BA stories that we'll share over the course of uh, the next couple of weeks. But Richard Sherman, Mike Evans, that matchup, that is a physical matchup. Right, Mike Evans is a big receiver. Richard Sherman is a big defensive back. A lot of hands, hand fighting. Um, earlier in the game, ten minutes to go, incomplete pass. Bruce challenges, and they create a foul for pass interference in replay. End of the game, Tampa's last play from scrimmage. Um, they throw it up. A lot of contact on both sides. We were looking at it, and I actually went on the air, and 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 the contact by Sherman at the end. It look, it is pass interference. What he did. Right, he he basically had his arm across Evans' arms. Evans couldn't get his arms up to make a play on the ball, so that is pass interference. But the call on the field stood, and we were kind of thinking, okay, how is that possible? But you know, looking at it again, and just talking to some people around the league, where they've been, and, and this isn't necessarily a bad thing, 
is what they're saying is if there's contact both ways and if there's a, a lot of hand fighting and you're not sure who's doing what to who, um, then they're, they're going to let that go. And, and, and that's not necessarily a bad thing, is it? It's not bad, but you could argue that was the same thing that happened on the, on the first one. And, and it exactly. becomes so subjective. And in, in, in the fourth quarter, is it more important to get a call or put a call on than it is earlier in the game or, or not, in, not as important? It, it's, it becomes too subjective. And that's and you make a good point because I like that standard, but we've got to be consistent, right? Right. And and we talk to coaches, and coaches understand that officials are going to make mistakes. They're human. The game is it happens quickly, and it's amazing how right they are. You know, looking at it one time from their perspective, but coaches get that. What they don't like is when they're inconsistent. And you apply one standard in one situation, then the same situation happens again, and you apply a different standard. And that's, I think that's that's the 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 goal is to be consistent. And uh, and so you have that. And then the next thing I want to talk about is this. Ready? What am I doing? Clapping. Everyone knows that. Clapping. Have we created another gate? Have we created? We had Spygate. We had Deflate Gate. Clap Gate. Clap we had. I don't know. Did the Miami thing, the bully gate, did that ever catch on? I don't know. I don't Maybe it so. didn't. But Clapgate, right? What is going on? In obviously Kyler Murray in the preseason, it was this deal where and that's a college thing. You watch the college game and they allow it, right? Um, it's it's whether it's a silent count, whatever it is, clap, the snap doesn't come. Um, as long as it's not something, and this has been in the NFL game, it hasn't been an issue. As long as it's not quick, abrupt, designed to draw the defense, it wasn't an issue. What the league said is, okay, if you clap, you have to get the snap immediately. And uh, and that's where we are. There was a play yesterday in the Lions But there's one game. exception to that. Well, you know, is it an exception? That was me on the air yesterday. We Stafford, the Lions are on, are on, are on offense. Stafford, the play clock is running down. Stafford is clapping like he he was clapping like he just he just witnessed Paul McCartney, Eric Clapton, Andrea Bocelli all doing a one time only collaboration of like Alleluia, right? Like wow. that's how he was clapping. <clears throat> We went there. That kind of, I went there. All how, right? about, how about his boy Kershaw throws a no-hitter? How about did that? They go he was, to, did they? No, he didn't. Did Matthew Stafford go yeah, to school went, with Clayton yeah, Kershaw? Really? In Texas. I've never, I never heard that. They've actually Sarcasm, Dean sarcasm. No? Wow. I never, you never hear that ever, <laughs> that Clayton Kershaw and Matthew Stafford went to the same high school in Texas. Never. You never Anyways, see check check on the either, either sport. You never check see a picture of them. Here they are in, in, in peewee baseball, and they both became pro athletes. Sorry to get you off Whatever. We get it. We get it. Back to the clapping. Okay. Bottom line is, here's the deal. So Stafford is clapping. They don't. They they don't call. The, they don't throw a flag right away. And then the umpire throws a flag. They get together. The referee Scott Novak gets on the mic and says, "There's no foul for for a false start." Now you're in Arizona, okay? So <laughs> where this, this has been started. where the thing started. And so Arizona is obviously <laughs> upset. The fans are upset. Kingsbury's upset. I'm sure Kyler Murray was like, "What the f?" Um, you know, I go on the air and I'm trying to explain it, and I'm like, you know, well, maybe because the play clock was running down, they're gonna let that they're gonna let that go. Look, we've seen that forever in the NFL. I hope the league gets this together. What where we are now is if you clap, you gotta get the snap immediately. If you don't, it's a false start. So that's where we are. We'll see where it goes. But uh, but that's enough on Clapgate. Um, the head scratching, head scratcher call of the week. We're trying to come up with a name, and and we like head scratcher. What was the other one, Joe? That we things that make you go hmm. Oh, hmm. things that make you go hmm. Which was a who who was it? CNC, CNC Music, Music Factory. Saturday night. We, Saturday <laughs> oh, night. We were in the studio. We started. Um, we had a game kickoff at nine a.m. Right, the big noon kickoff. Army in Michigan. So we get there an hour early. We're there at yeah. 8. Well, I wasn't there early. You, you I was guys. actually late. Oh, that's you right. guys get there, an but hour I was early. actually filming something okay. for the kickoff, which was unbelievable. If you haven't had a chance, yeah, to you check were busy it out. gleaming the cue. Well, the, the point was we were all uh, okay. We were up I was at eight I was I was, I was filming with Carissa Thompson a a spoof on the '90s sitcom Clarissa tells all or explains it all. But anyway. So we're there for the nine o'clock kickoff, and we have our our dreaded Pac twelve after dark. Pac twelve after dark, <laughs> seven thirty Pacific yeah. kickoff. 
Who's watching that game on the East Coast, Joe? Cal, Cal gamblers only. Cal chasers. Did Who's your mom watching? watch they're, it? They're chasing. They're right? chasing money. These are the people that are watching it. If you went to either school and you're you're a big fan, yes, the degenerate gamblers. Okay, sorry, is that not, I'm not allowed to say that. And my mom, because she's hoping that I can get on the air, a little bit of air to, time ex- to explain a target <laughs> call. So anyway, we go into a lightning delay for two hours and forty minutes. So the game is kicks off at seven thirty <laughs> Pacific. Lightning we, delay happens at 9.46 in the first quarter. I think it was 9.46. So during the lightning de- delay, we had an impromptu 90s hip-hop dance music like festival. That's the only <laughs> word I can True. use. It was a fest. Yeah. <laughs> it was dancing, singing, karaoke, and CNC Music Factory made an appearance. Things that make you go, hmm. hmm. And, uh, and that's where we came up with the name, but I think we're going to stick with Head Scratcher. I know we got off topic there. Um, the head, why I like Head Scratcher Call of the Week is because we can, we, can work a, we can work an endorsement deal with maybe a hair product. And the hair product I was thinking of going after is a hair product that my, my, my producer here, Travis, uses. Travis, you want to share with the audience you know, the, the, the hair product that you use? I use a product that's commonly... Um, used by folks that don't look like me. Uh, it's called Murray's. <laughs> I had to look it up, but go ahead, Travis. So you use Murray's. It's a pomade. And, <laughs> and <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I don't even really know what I should say about this, but Michael Strahan came in and we told him that I use that. And he said, what the F do you use that product for? So and we should probably explain how Travis, where so he's I'm from. just saying is Travis, Travis is not your, your average Murray's user. So Travis is from Wyoming. Travis grew up kind of farm country. Um, Travis is, how do I put this? Travis is rollerblade to work white. I don't own that rollerblades. Is, that's, that's For the what, record, I don't own rollerblades. That's what Travis is. And so he's not your typical Murray's user, but. I use 75 sunblock when I, I go to the I, beach. Yeah, exactly. Like Travis, Travis. I didn't even know there was such a thing. Travis gets a tan. You have to special order it. Travis gets a tan of, tan of Trader Joe's in like the, the produce aisle. But I don't know why. Well, I don't know what, what. That doesn't make sense. But anyway. Um, so I think we need to go after Murray's. So Murray's, if anybody at Murray's is listening, we will go. We'll call it the Head Scratchers Call of the Week brought to you by Murray's Pomade. Um, but anyway. Murray's won't leave your head scratch and they'll leave your hair perfect. All day. That just happened. We already, we already, like literally the people at Murray's are scrambling right now. Like we have to trademark that. Okay. So Rams, Panthers, and we were all, so it's a play where the pass, the Rams have the ball, the pass is ruled incomplete on the field. The ball comes loose. The Panthers jump on it. It's outside two minutes, so it's a coach's challenge situation. The officials on the field rule it incomplete. Coach Ron Rivera, the Panthers coach, challenges that it was a catch and a fumble with a clear recovery. Um, I go on the air and explain that, look, here's the process of the catch. Uh, I know Cowboy fans don't think I know what a catch is, but I do. And, uh, look, catch is <laughs> control, body part down, and time. You got to have it long enough. I didn't think he had it long enough. I thought he got hit immediately. I didn't think he performed a, a football move. He's going to the ground. The ball came loose. I thought it was a good call on the field. Referee Sean Hockley comes on the mic, and I, what did he say, Travis? What was the explanation? I, I don't remember exactly what he said, but he just he talked far too much. He could have just said the call on the field stands incomplete. Correct. That's what he should have said. Correct. No, he said it was a catch and he was down by contact. No, okay. So what Sean said, now Sean is an excellent referee. And Sean is going to be one of the one of the better NFL referees for a long time. And obviously you know the name Hockey Lee. Because he went a little Hockey Lee. He went a little Hockey Lee. He's Ed Hockey Lee's son. Ed Hockey Lee is, was one of the best referees of all time. And I know Ed very well. Um, and I have a lot of respect for Ed. But Ed could could get a little verbose on the microphone. And and so Sean, and I don't know if it was a, an, an homage to his dad or whatever, he, he went a little too far during, the, during the, the announcement. And what he said was, he said, it is a catch, but since we couldn't determine whether the, the receiver's knee was down with control of the ball, um, the call on the field stands, it is an incomplete pass. So, so we kind of 
all scratched our heads. You know, Travis is very well quaffed Murray, um, <laughs> Murray head. But so in essence, what happened is he really should have just said incomplete ruling on the field stands incomplete. But again, it was one of those deals where because of the new catch rule and I like the new catch rule in certain instances, but we have, in my opinion, we have, we have overcomplicated this and I think the old rule was a more simple rule. I think people understood it. They just didn't want to understand it when it went against their team. But anyway, that's uh, I'll, I'll get off the soapbox there. But it, it was the head-scratcher um, call of the week. Because that sounds like it was a catch, but it's not a catch. Well, yeah, it, it was a catch, but it was incomplete. And and. <laughs> You know, and again, and I and I get it, and maybe you know, because there were things like my dad used to say. When my dad used to get frustrated, he would he would he had this phrase that he would say. He would go, "Your sister's ass," right? We didn't know what that was. We didn't know what it meant, but he would say it whenever he got frustrated. So now, when I get frustrated, <laughs> I say it, and my sons are gonna say it. So you know, Sean comes from the the hockey league tree, and and he got you know he got stuck in that. You know, your sister's ass triangle, basically. I always thought Ed just did it because he wanted to show off his guns for as long as he could. That just, sh- that, that just shows how level-headed you are because in 10 years of friendship, I've never heard that. that it's more thing. I say it to myself. I Got say it, it in the car. I am very level-headed. I don't, I don't get too excited about too many things. We have heard about your road rage. I've never been in the car with you and you've yeah. had road rage, but you have the East Coast road rage is what you say. Oh, it's the people out here. I, I don't, whatever. Anyway, um... Cincinnati, Seattle, end of the game. You guys were you wow. guys were sweating it out. <laughs> it was so good. We're doing a we're doing a, a, a suicide survivor, pool, survivor, survivor pool, yeah. pool. Sorry, survivor pool. And um, you guys had Seattle in the survivor pool. I had I was I was skating easy. I took the Eagles. It was no ugly problem. early with you guys, but no yeah, problem. Eagles. They were down seventeen nothing. I was already done, but they came back. <laughs> You guys had Seattle, had to sweat it out. Great. I mean, Cincinnati, new head coach, you know, not a lot of people thinking, you know, I think, right? I think the I, most people pick Seattle in, in our pool. I mean, this is that that Sean McVay. If you know Sean McVay, you shake, if you're shaking his hand in the league and you've worked for him, you're going to get an offense. You're going to get a job as an offensive as a, coach. Yeah, yeah. And and Dalton had his best passing day of his career. Yeah, exactly. And he had the most yards and, yeah. and he had a great day. But so the end of the game, Dalton gets, they're down by one. They have the ball. Dalton gets hit from behind. Um, the ball comes loose. There's some confusion initially as to what they ruled on the field, but they ruled fumble recovered by the Seahawks. Game over. They go to review. We looked at it, and it's a pass. Right? Yeah, this is the, the empty hand. The hand comes forward. Well, the empty hand would I'm be sorry. a fumble. Um, the hand comes forward with control. Hand coming forward with control of the football constitutes a forward pass until he starts to bring the ball back to his body. So the the hand comes forward with control. The ball is out. Uh, Gene Steratore, who who is on CBS as a rules analyst, said as much that it was a pass. He thought it was going to be overturned. And, uh, and they come out and they announce the ruling on the field has been confirmed. And so we were all... Well, the graphic initially said incomplete, and then they came back out of that. And the, review saying it was a fumble. Yeah, and it, it, so we were all kind of shocked at, you know, it would be a stretch to go stands on that. And to say confirm, you're saying, no, it's indisputable. It's clear and obvious that it was a pass, which it clearly wasn't. Now, I've since learned that um, the the decision was actually stands and, and the, the announcement was incorrect. But even a stands, you know, that that's a play. Look, is Cincinnati going to win the game? Because, you know, did they lose the game because of that play? No. Did they, would they have had a chance? One more snap? Yes. Um, chances are it's not. It doesn't make the difference. But it's just one of those plays where it does illustrate the the subjectivity in replay. Replay was initially put in to correct the obvious error in the significant situation. That's that was the tagline in 1999, and there were people at that time um, around the league, and and I give Mike Brown. Um, from the Cincinnati Bengals credit because Mike Brown, who, who's the owner of the Bengals, um, was against replay then because of the potential of where it could go to. And he's still against replay. And he stuck to um, his principles because he was the only owner 
the Bengals were the only team that voted against the pass interference review yeah. um, proposal. And, uh, and so, but there were a lot around the league at that time that were concerned about, okay, we're putting the system in to fix the obvious error in the significant situation with objective facts, the ball touching the ground, the foot touching the sideline. Now we are not in that world. We are not just fixing obvious errors in significant situations, and we are no longer dealing with just objective fact. We're dealing with subjectivity. You were in the league office in 99. What, what was your position then? Yeah, um, my position was, you know, I was obviously, you know, I felt that we needed replay. I mean, you look at the 1998 season, and there were calls that were made that, that impacted not only games, but playoffs and livelihoods. You have the Vinny Testaverde play, which was the Jets and Seahawks, fourth and, fourth and goal, uh, Jets are down by five. Testaverde run up the middle. He's clearly down short of the goal line. The officials rule touchdown. Seahawks lose the game. They don't make the playoffs by one game. Dennis Erickson and his staff lose their job. So so I think that was the the tipping point and where we said we need we need a vehicle to be able to fix that. And but that's the think about that's the standard. Mm-hmm. That's that's where we are. That's the poster child, that play. And think about the calls just on Saturday and Sunday that are being reviewed. We're talking about seven-yard passes in the first quarter, right? right. We're talking about line the game plays on second down. <laughs> Blocking downfield. Right? Blocking downfield. So, so we are officiating via replay now. And is that the world we want to live in? You know, is it? I'm asking you guys. And is that what people want to see? I don't think so. I don't, I don't think so that. either. Yeah. And, and what is the saturation point? When, when do we reach... As a as a as a a fan base, as a league, as the clubs, when do we reach the point where we say enough is enough with replay? Look, replay like like Sammy Sosa, baseball was very good to him. Replay has been very good to me. Right, but there's a point where we have to say the rules are written for on-field officials to make calls in real time, and we can't officiate via replay. The significant plays you want to see them right. You want to see them get them right, and if that's with replay, then then we're good with it. But the other stuff, the subjective calls, I don't like that. I agree. Because, I mean, when does it end? When is it every there's, – there's an official in the booth looking at every single play. Oh, there was a, a guy two yards downfield. Here's where we're going. Yeah. We are going to – we are going to a video official, sky judge, whatever. And, and, and I talked to Troy about that in the interview, Troy Vincent. We're going we're gonna to talk to um, – play excerpts from that interview – executive vice president of football operations for the NFL. We talk about that concept. That is where the league is going eventually because the technology has gotten so good and the fan at home or in the sports bar or on their phone can see things that the human eye can't see on the field. And we are going to go to a video official sky judge concept and we are going to be sitting there and we're going to be waiting with bated breath after every play, and I'm exaggerating to some extent, but just to make the point, is that where we want to be? Because momentum in football is real. Yeah. It's real. And we had plays yesterday. We had plays Saturday where teams are moving. You look at Arizona and the Lions. We're in overtime. Teams are moving. Momentum, you know, big game. It was the Lions. It was a catch. Remember? The Lions had, had gone down by three in overtime. Mm-hmm. There was a close catch um, in the middle of the field. It looked like it was good. The Lions have to, you know, have to run down the field. They've got the defense on their heels, and uh, and replay stops it to look at it. That's real. That's that that changes momentum. That changes the flow, and uh, and I think that's what we have to be just. And you just thought that was a catch right away. Yeah, I thought it was a catch, and 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 look, I get it because you can't confirm it a hundred percent. You let a play go, and then and then the network comes back with a shot and shows the ball on the ground. That's the worst result. So it's just the nature of the system, and that's and that's part of it. And and again, where do we draw the line? Last thing I, I, I do want to touch on from an NFL perspective is um, the the ejections yesterday. We had we had three ejections. Um, I'm I know one for sure came from New York, and and the new rule this year. Uh, in terms of the folks in New York, the, the designated personnel in the league office can get involved if a flag is thrown on the field for a football or non-football act 
and and the officials on the field penalize it, and uh, but they're not going to eject. Then New York can look at it and they can eject. So um, this year they added the football part of that, so a hit on a receiver, that type of thing. So Greg Robinson from the Browns, and I do want to talk about the Browns, and you guys got to back me up on this. I was not on the Browns hype bandwagon, okay, and and I will repeat right now. The Browns will not win that division, okay? Everybody's sleeping on Pittsburgh and Baltimore. Obviously, Pittsburgh took their lumps last night against New England. Baltimore looks legit. I know Miami, not a lot of people are expecting things out of Miami this year. But I was not a a Browns hype bandwagon. So after all this hype, to lose at home like that, smashed. That was a tough loss. right? I mean, is that it? Is that all? No one's going to give me any credit for no, this? No, no, no. You you I get it. It's one game. You did call that. You you said Browns third in the division. You also, however, said. Yeah, I don't know if my other my other prediction is going to be. I said the Giants will win more games than the Browns. Yeah, but, if you're going to take credit for the one, you have, I'm going to make you but, own the yeah, other one. Yeah, I, well. I don't think that's going to happen. Look, I think the Browns are going to be. We, we, were, we were rooting for the Browns last year. I just think there's so much hype and there's so much when you bring a team like that together, a very talented team, a new head coach, you don't know how all those pieces are going to fit. You really don't. And uh, and there's a lot of dynamics there. So, again, they've got they've got their work cut out for them. I'm not like I said, I'm not anti Brown, but I just it's it's the hype was what was getting to me. And, and but Odell like, did have that best jewelry on. What was yeah, what that? was that? He was wearing Will like he a get fined by the league for that? Thousand dollar watch. Yeah. Who wears a three hundred thousand dollar watch on the field? Aren't you concerned that it's going to get like nicked up? If I if I'm a defender on that, I'm going like I'm going at him like a keep Talib went after uh, Michael Crabtree oh, Crab with the Tree, necklace. I'm trying to snag that chain. thing every chance I can. I just what is the is he getting what is he doing, Joe? He's is he got, getting like a little, have little side deal, an endorsement deal? They He'll get fined. Well, I mean, right? they like, I'm sure I mean, they the gave the league has the league has has strict policies on that in terms of on field and what you can what you can you can wear and things like that. So I'm sure that'll be addressed. But it was. It's all publicity it's stuff, nice and I watch, think that these though. guys, it makes them unlikable to the average person. Because well, they it, can't it, relate. It like the $350,000, that's more than a yeah. house in most places. Where I grew up, that's three houses almost. Where you grew up, oh, jeez. Where you grew up, you could buy the whole town. The town is that We're not one, buying right? towns in Wyoming, guys. All right. Well, well, let's, get, let's get back to the rules of the ejections. Yeah, so, so Greg Robinson was ejected, and if you watch the play, it, it is he. It's a, actually a pretty nice upkick. You know, I yeah. think in, in like two kicks there in MMA, you know, had that been had that been we watched. We actually watched the We watched the Khabib Poirier fight in the studio as well. Saturday um, had that been used in that fight. That's actually a it's pretty good. Totally legal. He's on his feet. Totally legal. But in the NFL, that is not legal. <laughs> and uh, and so Mr. Robinson was ejected from the game. The original announcement from the referee was unnecessary roughness. And then they they did eject him. And uh, and then we had two other ejections. We had we had Quan Alexander for a hit on Jameis Winston. Winston went into a slide. Alexander hit him in the head neck area, and then we had Miles Jack from Jacksonville uh, with a kind of a punch, open hand shot was ejected. So something just to be mindful of. Three ejections. Typically, you don't see maybe if if there's if there's ten to fifteen ejections a season. That's a lot. So obviously, to have three in one week is is significant. And the theory in in football is. Look, in baseball, you get ejected. There's 162 games. In basketball, there's there's 82 games, whatever it is. In football, there's 16 games. So you're losing a significant amount of playing time with an ejection. And so we've always been, for, for many years, we've always been hesitant to eject players unless it's absolutely warranted. But I think, look, the league is, is saying health and safety is important, especially when you look at the the jack thing, throwing a punch, the the upkick, those have always been ejections. But when you look at the Alexander hit, five years ago, that was not an ejection. Okay, it was a penalty, but that was not an ejection. Yeah. Where we are today with health and safety, um, that that is, you're going to miss playing time and you're going to get fined and and you're potentially going to get suspended. And I think that's 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 the sea change that that we've we've seen over the last couple of years. Explain more how New York gets involved with those. Then, yeah, so. The, the officials on the field will make the call. They'll get together. There'll be a covering official that will go to the referee if the referee was not the one that made the call. 
and uh, and will say, look, I've got I've got seventy three kicking kicking the uh, the defensive player. It's unnecessary roughness, and then they'll have a discussion. Is it enough to eject him? They may make that decision on the field. New York is listening in. All of the officials have a wireless communication system. They have an earpiece. They have a microphone. New York can communicate with several members of the crew. And so whether it's Al Riveron or Russell Yerk, we'll get on the headset and communicate directly with the referee and say, we're looking at the video. This this is a play where we, we deem this enough to eject the player. And they'll communicate that to the referee. The referee will then make a second announcement um, if he has already made one. And the player will uh, will be uh, thrown out of the game. That's great insight. Thanks, Travis. That's 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 the type of insight you're going to get on good calls. Very producer esque. Good calls nice work with Dean. I'm trying to do the tagline. Gosh, that's the kind of insight you're going to get on good calls with Dean Blandino. Can you maybe play a little of the music there, Joe? Maybe. Nice. Okay. All right. Back to the show. You know, and there was a ton of. NFL stuff, but I do want to touch on one quick play from college. And trust me, we're going to talk a lot of college football on this podcast going forward. Army, Michigan, that was our big game on Fox. And uh, and Army played them tough and going to overtime. But there was a play earlier in the game that went against Michigan. and Where we came up with the head scratcher. The head scratcher, yeah. And, and so it was Army. You know, they run the option. They run an option with the pitch. It's a backward pass. Michigan picks it up. The ball hits the ground. Michigan picks it up, and they go in for an apparent score. And the officials came back and ruled that the defender, after he recovered it, he was down. And and so, um, and we looked at it, and unfortunately, he wasn't down. When when his knee was on the ground, he didn't have possession of the football. And then he got up, picked it up, and it really should have been a touchdown for Michigan. But unfortunately, the officials killed the play. They ruled him down, and there's nothing replay can do in that situation. So, and and the theory is is the officials have killed the play. They're blowing whistles. So it's impossible to say where would that Michigan defender have have advanced to. Players stop. They hear the whistle. Would he have gotten five yards downfield? Yeah. Would he have gotten 10 yards? Would he have gotten into the end zone? You can't. You don't know. So the theory is, look, if they blow it dead on the field, you can't give an advance in replay, and, and that's just one of those deals. So there's nothing replay can do. And the officials are taught... If there's a question, you don't want to officiate to replay. You want to call what you see and don't think about replay. But if there's a doubt in your mind, let the play go because replay can always come back. And I think that is where, um, you know, you you kind of wish that's what the officials had done in that situation. Which that's what they did in the Bengals and Seahawks game yesterday. We were wondering, why did they stop it? They got to blow the whistle. The clock's still running. Correct. And that, and again, if there if there's some uncertainty, you 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 make it a fumble or you let the defender advance it because replay can always come back. And I think that's, you know, that's part of the, just the nuance when it comes to replay and officiating on the field. And, uh, and so that was our, that was our head scratcher um, of the week in, in college. Had football. army pulled that win off. That would have been Ooh. a major call. We'd have been talking about would, earlier in Jim the show. Harbaugh would, would probably, and I know coach Harbaugh and, and he would probably be still, he might be camped out at the Big Ten office if that was the case, if they had won that game. But let's uh, – and, you know, hey, talking about officials, and, and this isn't a show about – look, the officials are really good at the professional level, at the college level. They're really good. But imagine they are rated on every game. They're, they're rated on every call of every game, every play. Imagine in your everyday life that at the end of your work day, your, your superior, whoever that is, basically handed you a sheet – and it was your rating for the day. And it was everything you did good, everything you did bad. You spent 20 minutes too long at the water cooler. You know, <laughs> you, you, whatever. This is what officials go through, all right? They get a report, every play, every game. That is cumulative throughout the season. And, uh, and that leads to their postseason assignments or lack of assignment. Right. It also leads to them whether they're retained um, the following year. So, so they are under more scrutiny than, than most professions. And, uh, and obviously the scrutiny just from the media and the fans and the coaches, but from their own um, superiors and the people that, that manage them. And it's, it's a difficult, difficult profession. And, but speaking of ratings, how, how did you get here, Travis? Did you, did you, did you drive? Did you take your Civic? Your- Civic, 130,000 strong still, 130,000 nice. miles. Honda Civic, there you go. Honda, yeah. hey, we're, we're looking for sponsors. But, <laughs> um, so you didn't take an Uber. 
I didn't take. We it had over. this discussion in the in the studio, and and so we talked a little bit about it, and we, you know, and on this show, we're going to talk about rules in other areas other than sports, and so we talked about Uber, and it got on like who had the highest Uber rating, and sadly, unfortunately, Joe, and have you taken an Uber since Saturday? I have not. No. Okay, all right. So sadly, Joe no has the highest rating at four point eight seven. I'm at 4.85. Travis is at 4.84. And we start to start talking about Uber drivers and ratings and things like that. And Joe has some very unique takes on, you know, what are the rules? And I, I'm surprised because this is a guy that got banned from Uber. <laughs> and and the other, the other rule is, though, you have to have a minimum of 25. 25 right. So we are, yeah. are going to have a, an ongoing wager at the end of the season the football season who has the highest uber rating but you have to have a minimum of 25 rides it should be noted that dean only rides uber black <laughs> and so my 485 should should count higher than your 487 See, with I, uber I X. completely disagree with why that. you're spending more money they're more likely to want to rate you higher no it's a higher standard no 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 the drivers don't they're it's a higher to, standard. They want they they're expecting. I'm expecting a a a a better experience and and higher quality. They're expect they're expecting a better quality of customer. What do you what, what do you I'm think about saying. that, Travis? That's all I'm saying. Travis is like Travis. Is like I grew up in Wyoming. <laughs> I don't Uber. What I don't know. We used to ride horses everywhere. I took an Uber one time, and the guy was like. Hey, I was a little hesitant in picking you up, and, and, you, and you seem like a pretty cool guy. I was with with my wife and, and, and three friends, and he's like, you seem Travis like a pretty cool guy. Ladies, ladies Travis and, is married. I know and, you were. Go ahead. And he's like, you seem like a pretty cool guy. I just didn't want to pick you up because you had a zero rating on, on Uber. How like, did you have a zero rating? I, 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 was, I didn't even know you get rated. I was like, <laughs> I, you get rated to take a car? Like, sure, I, I, didn't know, I didn't know that. So and you weren't rating them, and they were like, screw that guy. I guess it must have been. And the guy's like, you seem cool, so, but you have such a low rating. I was scared to pick you up. Quickly, Uber rules. You rate every time. Always. I think it's important, and I think this is something in tipping as well. Um, it shouldn't just be a standard. I think we have a. I think we have a responsibility as consumers to rate according to performance. Because if you give everybody a five, Joe, because you five. you give everyone a five because you want people to give you five so you can have the highest rating. But do, the, do they kid. see what their rating before they rate you? For no. the next rider, you give him a five and he's and he's crap. The next rider is going to get have a crappy experience because you just want a higher rating and you want everybody it, to like. I'm you. not. This is my way. You of want everybody joy to, to the like world. you. I just want to give everyone a five. Exactly. So a everybody job, gets a five in Joe's world. Everybody what gets are you a, partici- doing? Are you a participation. Really I'll tell you how you get a better rating. I rate you get, them according to how they do. You give them a five dollar spot after the after the ride, and then you get the cash. And the hand, then is, they'll tip you a five. And and I tip. I do tip. You don't even tip on Uber. They don't, don't know if you tip or not. Me. You don't tip. I tip all the time. You tip everywhere. I tip everywhere. That I okay? will, the world. I will say, Dean Blandino is a very good tipper. Thank you. But and I think that's important. But life tips with Dean Blandino. <laughs> that's my. That'll be my. Second, they don't know if you tip them, so that doesn't. That doesn't. November. That doesn't have an impact. <laughs> I think the reason that my rating is the highest is because I'm I'm personable and I'm social. Exactly. And you, you talk just get to in everybody, but it's one. It's a one time. It's a one off deal. So you're enjoyable for one ride. Have that guy pick you up seventeen times. Like oh, this guy again. I'm giving him a two. I've never had the same Uber driver twice. There's exactly. Exactly. But that's what I'm saying. You always get the new person. So you're, the Joe Madrid experience is great the first time. <laughs> it's great. It's like going to go to Disneyland once. Like, oh, this is amazing. Go there five times a week. You're like, ah. Uh, Does this eh. mean by the fourth show I'm out of here? Eh. <laughs> All right. But Uber ratings, That those are the rules on Uber ratings. Um, all right. Next up, I wanna I wanna play our interview. I was really excited. I worked with Troy Vincent at the NFL for a long time. Former player, um, former college great at Wisconsin. Former NFL player, Pro Bowl player, and uh, former president of the NFL Players Association. A lot of player in his title, and he's now the executive vice president for football operations for the National Football League. And, uh, and so let's, uh, let's hear from Troy and let's play a little bit from that interview. Okay, now we are joined by Troy Vincent, Executive Vice President of Football Operations for the NFL. And really excited to have him. Troy, thanks, uh, thanks for joining us. How you doing? I'm doing great. Ready to kick this thing off. 
Got a handful of plays today and great day. Great day yesterday, Dino. I was in Columbus, watched the Buckeyes pound the Cincinnati Bearcats. And my Badgers, they just demolished. I'm not even sure who they played yesterday. We just, it doesn't really doesn't matter. We just was so dominant. Well, yeah, we, so we, we kick off today, 100th season. So I know everybody's excited about that. But before we get into that, yeah, let's talk a little bit about college football. So, uh, you know, we get we get Wisconsin. You were you were a star there. They're looking pretty good. I think it was 61. You're, nothing. A, you're actually acknowledging that. I'm, I'm a, acknowledging that, you know, oh, okay. I'm acknowledging you. that you're a pretty decent player in college. Uh, you know, I was in I was at Madison um, over the summer for for a wedding. And, you know, you got a big picture of yourself over there by the stadium. So they like you a little bit over there. So I'll give you a little credit well, for that. This is a special day of your acknowledging that. But thank you. I'll take I, it. I, I will. I will. But Ohio State. So, you know, I know you've got you've got two you've got two sons playing college football. Um, so is that what you were doing in uh, in Columbus? Yes, um, my, our middle boy, Teron, is a sophomore there, and he's a defensive tackle. So, wife and I, we alternate. One goes to Columbus and Troy, Troy Jr., he's a, in graduate school down at Towson. They were home yesterday playing North Carolina Central. So, we flip-flop each week, and yesterday was my turn to be in Columbus. Okay, good. Yeah, I want to I talk a little bit about that later, but... Let's let's get into it a little before we get into the rules changes. And I definitely want to talk about past interference, but I have to ask, you know, two biggest stories of the off season. I just want to get your, you know, get your take on it. Obviously, you got Andrew Luck and you got Antonio Brown. I want to start with Antonio. You know, this is a player, talented player. Um, we saw what happened with with the Steelers. Gets to the Raiders, doesn't, I mean, doesn't play a snap of meaningful football. And and so from your perspective and from the league's perspective, you know, what what is going on in terms of here's a player that it, it's almost as if he's kind of making his way off the team that, that, you know, wanted to get released from the Raiders, gets his release. Now he signs with the Patriots. You know, are you concerned about this whole situation? You know, what's your take on AB and, and, and the future, you know, for him and, and, you know, any, any impact that this has, you know, on the league? Well, it was isolated to the team. Let's start with, with that. And it's been a, a circus. It's something that you rather talk, you know, it's like we're going into the hundred season. Coach Gruden and Mike Mayock, you know, they're trying to get the franchise turned around. They identify, which we all know is a dynamic player. And then there's just a series of these, something's going on every day. And you're almost tired of talking about it. It's been a circus. It's one where we really have to think about where we are, where does actually production equal tolerance? People do what we allow them to do. And at some point, and maybe that'll change now that he's in New England, the compromise, the tolerance level, what we accept, it's uh, it's very disturbing. I think, I, I really believe, I'm not speaking from a league standpoint, this is my personal view. It's embarrassing. It's embarrassing to the sport the antics that we continue and from a leadership standpoint, final leadership said enough is enough. And they moved on. We're about, it's about God. Everyone wants to go back to playing football. Your teammates are looking for who's going to be ready. Who's going to line up. Who's going to be healthy, ready to play. And for, for his teammates to have to talk about where he is or where he isn't during the season. I mean, during, you know, weekend and week out, day in and day out. Uh, that's not why the guys play the game. I mean, so I hope this comes to an end so we can just focus and report on the game and not some of the things that we saw uh, with, with what continues to keep happening. So do you feel like, you know, as a league and sometimes we, we, we tend to enable some of these, some of these guys when they do produce, 
you know, is that a problem? Is that something you saw during your playing days? And, and what can we do? What can we do to, so, to so address Dino, that? I, I think it's important that we got, it's important. These are not league issues. These issues are isolated to the club and leadership at the club, whether that's your from owner, general manager, head coach. This is a locker room, head coach, general manager, and player accountability. So this is not a, not a league issue. It's how you going to run your house. What are you going to accept? What will you tolerate? And there we've just seen this play out. And it's just not good for football. Not good when you try to rate, you're trying to look and set examples for young men and women across the country. Uh, this is something that, you know, you hope that eventually AB gets his stuff together. He could focus in on football and we could report on, on the game and things that are happening around the game. Okay, let's shift gears a little bit now. Obviously, you've got a guy in Andrew Luck that is is one of the one of the faces of the league, and and retiring in his prime due to some of the injuries that he's had. We've seen other players retire in their prime. You know, Rob Gronkowski making comments about after the Super Bowl, he was in tears because of the pain he was in. You know what what. From a from a league perspective, you know, you and I have worked closely together in the past in terms of health and safety, and, and that is always the top priority. You know, are are you concerned about some of these players walking away? You know, really before their before their time, and you know, what can the league do to ensure the the health and safety of these players? Because you know, we know that there is you know for some players it is a short window, but when you see a guy like like Gronk or Andrew walk away so young, um, does that concern you? doesn't concern me, and actually it's the position that every player wants to be in. To make the choice to walk away from the game on your terms. I was happy for Andrew. I was happy for, for Rob and all those other players who have decided, from Jim Brown to Barry Sanders, everybody, every every athlete's body has an expiration date. This game typically tells you by way of you being cut, you being bounced around, that it's time for you to, that you are transitioning away from the game. Very seldomly does the player have the choice or the option to say, I'm done. So I was happy for Andrew. And it's, it's, it was the player's option. And he decided that he's had enough. And it's not for we as fans and teammates or so on and so forth. We all have the, uh, an opinion about it, but he made an individual decision which he felt like was best for him. And typically the player, 99% of the time, the player is not making that choice for himself. Okay, let's, let's talk about, let's go back. And from your perspective, Saints-Rams, and I know we're moving into the season, and but I do want to go back and, and talk about that play from last year, the NFC Championship game. And so Saints-Rams, you know, where were you when it happened in, in terms of the, the missed pass defense call? And then how quickly after that game did, did you start thinking about, you know, potential rules changes? How are we going to address this? How are we going to prevent this from happening going forward? And just walk us through that that process, that competition committee process a little bit. So that was the game, the championship game that I was in attendance. So I was actually at the, at the at, in Mercedes-Benz at the Superdome. So I was there. I watched it play out. And again, it was, man, missed call. You didn't think it was going to go to the level and the magnitude of which it was, it was clear. It was obvious. That was a missed call. And then one thing as the game ended, one thing transpired after another. Headed back to the train, I mean, to the airport, it just became this, it just got out of control. I was never, never thought, Dino, that we would look at it. You think about how do you make that correction it was a human error what are some safeguards that we can put in from an overall league standpoint to minimize things of that nature but typically we don't move in a direction where one single play 
really alters the way you want to implement new rules. And it did in this particular case. Uh, it was, I felt like just based off of the magnitude of the play and what have happened, we've seen those plays through, through the duration and the history of our game. We've, we analyzed, we looked at data, and the data said, okay, this is this particular foul, pass interference, has the most impact. How do we put some safeguards in it? And that's how we came up with uh, playing rule proposal six. I think it's 6C. And we just discussed it, watched video, and now we're going to see, feel very comfortable about the implementation of it, just working with our head coaches, working with the officials through the offseason. We had a you know Thursday night game, so we saw it come into play there, and now we're in the, the true week one where we have multiple games going on at one time. We'll see multiple games inside of two minutes, and we'll see how that plays out. But that is that's kind of how it took place, the, pro- the progression of it, and but we feel very very comfortable about where we are, about the standard of that call, about that process of how that'll play out um, doesn't change the, the replay system. So that's, that's just important. I think for fans and everyone to know that the, 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 the system, there's no change in the replay system. You just, with this particular foul type, there is a higher standard. So, you know, I talked to a lot of, a lot of coaches around the league and at the time during, during the league meeting, you know, they they had discussed the concept of, and I know you and I have talked about it a little bit, the, the sky judge, right? The the video official that can fix any any egregious mistake. And a lot of the coaches were leaning in that direction. And, you know, the coaches got together, had their own meeting. And, and from what I know is that during that meeting, they had discussed that concept and they were in favor of that Um but then competition committee got together and ended up with pass interference. How, how close was that ever a realistic possibility um, for this it, season? It, it was, and it was talked about at length at the combine and the concept of the sky judge, really it's that's the, the replay official inside the stadium. So when we got to March meeting, you know, Coach Reed and Coach Harbaugh really took the lead in this particular area between, uh, between the two. And let's say, okay, let's – rather than – where does this sky judge come from? But that was a, the term that was used. Where does this sky judge – who is he or she? Are they in a pipeline? And then really think about, should we just be looking at increasing possibly the responsibilities of the replay official that's already in the stadium? That's – so that was the direction that we were headed. Continue to kept kept watching video at that time in March, as you well know. Playing rule proposals are already in. So what you you may do is we're amending a club proposal or one of the competition committee proposals. And then it was thought out. Hey, the competition committee at this at this juncture, they felt comfortable with what the data and where we were things that we can control in New York uh, that we had a better better handle on that playing rule proposal that was submitted uh, that will be the one the one year proposal that we're seeing this season was a good place to start i would say that that sky judge concept we'll see if that has life at the end of the season as as we see playing rule proposal 6 play out this season do you, do you worry at all about, you know, we've talked about this when we brought replay back in, in 1999, but that, that creep concept of we add, we add one thing one year and now we're going to add another thing. So do you worry at some point about a call this season, let's say it's rough in the passer or it's a face mask and it's a big time call similar to that play in the NFC championship game. And now everyone's saying, well, we got to review that and then, and, and adding that and doing that every year. Is that, does that concern you? Absolutely. It, it, it gets into, you start here, which is pass interference. Are you opening up the Pandora's box? Is this where you want the sport? Is this is where you really want replay to go? when pace of play for all professional sports leagues is, is critical. And we talk about this thing when we were working side by side by one another, you know, you're trying to take, a, you know, we're trying to eliminate the extra 
the, the, we would say that what's that wasted time that we need to be eliminating? Not not snap to snap. And when you start adding on fouls into the system, man, we're the excessive stoppages. Think about the game. And last year we came in at three or four game time. You start adding in, uh, additional fouls into what a coach can challenge into that replay system. That's a slippery slope. And I'm not sure if the coaches, that's those unintended consequences. The coaches, definitely the fans. It's not going to sit around and be watching three and a half, four hour game. That's not where we want the sport. Thanks again to Troy for spending some time with us and sharing his thoughts on some, you know, pretty interesting topics around the league. And uh, that's it. That's it for episode one. Thanks for joining us. And uh, good calls with Dean Blandino is a production of iHeartRadio. Follow me on Twitter at Dean Blandino for links and details about the show. And be sure to rate us on the iHeartRadio app and tell your friends about us. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.